0: Welcome to Moms Going Boldly, a Star Trek podcast.
1: Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on Secured Channel.
0: Moms Going Boldly is two moms who love Star Trek and who happen to have children on the autism spectrum. Join me, Elizabeth, and my co host Vicki as each week we talk about Star Trek episodes, both new and old. Are you ready for the adventure? Come join us on Moms Going Boldly. And welcome back to Moms Going Boldly, where today we're talking about Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Season 1, episode 10, the finale for the season, A Quality of Mercy. What would you think of this episode?
1: Well, I'm on two sides of the fence here. (laughs) I liked it overall. I liked how this episode kind of puts Pike's destiny to bed. Yeah. I think and I could be wrong, but I think that this was a way for the writers to close out the storyline so we're not having to watch his knowing that he's going to eventually suffer this fate that we all know is coming. I think it's their way of allowing us to watch the series without this fate taking away from the series.
0: I agree. I agree. I think it was a very clever way to just sort of remove the overarching
1: angst. Right. So we won't be, I hope, always thinking about Pike's End. And I'm sure it'll come up once in a while, but when it does, it'll be like, oh right, forgot that's going to happen instead of always having that hanging over our heads. I think it will make it more enjoyable. He's resigned to it. Now we're past it. We don't have to think about it, but I didn't like the fact that this was pretty much a replica of balance of terror. And the changes in some of the crew, like Ortega and Spock, were there, it seemed, just to go along with the original series episode, and for no other reason that was explained. Like, why does Captain Pike avoiding his fate in an alternate timeline turn Ortega's into a more hostile version of Worf? And I know she's supposed to be Styles, but there's no indication as to why she's become this person. Yeah. So that was the part I I didn't like about it.
0: I I noted that too, and I just went ahead and chalked it up to, maybe it was because Una was imprisoned.
1: I did think of that like about five and seconds. And maybe that's why yeah.
0: everybody was a little more edgy because, you know, the relaxedness of having her as their first officer and having that family together, the family was ripped apart. Right. I agree. But there really wasn't an explanation as to what made her more edgy and hostile.
1: Except that she was supposed to be playing this, yeah. The Styles character. And then Spock was more Vulcan-like, I thought, than he was in the regular timeline
0: well at this timeline he should have already had his pawn bar right so maybe that's what made him more Vulcan. i don't remember if a mock time in the original series came before or after the balance of terror let's see if we find out so maybe he had been by this point had been dumped and he's a little bit crankier
1: (laughs) i didn't think of that yeah i don't i don't know where it came
0: (laughs) let's see So uh, a mock Time was the season two premiere. Yeah,
1: so this was uh, Balance of Terror was season one.
0: So he hadn't been dumped yet. Right. I don't know, yeah. And the other thing that I thought was a little bit of a discontinuity was in the prime timeline, In the present of the prime timeline, Spock knows something's going on in the future for Captain Pike. So why didn't future Spock in the alternate timeline remember that there was something supposed to happen in the future and connect those dots a little sooner?
1: Yeah, I don't know.
0: But I actually really liked the episode. It was funny because when the episode started and Ortega said something about not knowing what the Romulans looked like, my offspring said, they don't know what they look like. And I said, no, that happens in an original series episode called Balance of Terror, where they actually get to see them and discover that they look like Vulcans. And that's part of the storyline. I said, this is a great episode. I encouraged him to watch it. And then the next thing you know, that's where we were. Right. I got very excited when he was like, you know, we're, we're about to get married. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is balance of chair. <laughs> I thought it was a clever way to, again, dial in the original series and dial in canon and work within canon. I was okay with that. And I was actually really interested. Because to me, it was a fascinating, how fascinating as a character to have to face the fact that you might not be good enough to handle a situation and somebody else might be better at it. They didn't really drive home that particular character lesson that much, but that was essentially the point. Yeah, so let's talk about this. Let's talk about it in detail. So we have the Enterprise visiting one of the outposts on the neutral zone with the Romulans. And they're upgrading their defenses and upgrading this, that, and the other thing. And while they're meeting with the head of the outpost, the leader of the outpost, his son comes in and starts to ask Captain Pike a lot of questions about the Enterprise. And Captain Pike realizes that this man's son, whose name is Mott, Mott is going to be one of the two cadets who are killed in the accident in 10 years. Yeah. And he is really thrown by this, as anyone would be. You know, see this charming, delightful, another child, Yeah, (laughs) charming, delightful little person talking so enthusiastically about their goals and their future. And he knows this this person doesn't have a future. And that was very disturbing for him. So he decides that he's going to write a letter to him and tell him about his future so that he can save his life. Because he just can't live with this knowledge and the knowledge that he could do something to change things and as he's in the middle of this letter he is visited by himself from the future essentially saying if you do this you're going to screw everything up and how do i know oh the monks at borath uh, with my favorite line they think there's no problem that can't be solved with a bat <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to, like, put that on my screensaver. There's no problem. that can't be solved with a ballot. Oh, that's an awesome phrase. So he invites present Captain Pike to go into the future to see how bad things get because of this change that he's trying to put into place. And so Captain Pike touches the time stone, the time crystal. Now, I have a question. Did future Captain Pike bring that? Or was that something that Captain Pike always had?
1: I thought future Captain Pike brought that. But okay. then it was still there at the end. So
0: He looked like he picked it up off the coffee table. So I was confused Oh, I didn't even that.
1: realize oh. that. Okay, maybe.
0: Okay, so he touches this time crystal that may or may not have been there and goes forward in time to a time we find out, as this episode goes on, That's like six months after the accident. And they're essentially redoing the Balance of Terror episode, except instead of Captain Kirk being in command of the Enterprise, it's Captain Pike. So it's kind of funny and yet kind of annoying. I I actually didn't really like this, where he is transported into the future at the exact moment of the wedding that we see at the beginning of Balance of Terror. Right. And to me, it felt like it was supposed to be comical. And it
1: wasn't. It was poor planning on the monk's part or whoever is letting him go back in time. It seemed like they would give him some background.
0: Even that, I thought it was just not good writing to put him there because the attempt at humor fell flat. This is a very serious episode. We're talking about trying to stop death and learning that the death has to happen to stop something even worse. I just don't see how, it, it just didn't work as a humorous moment to have him stumble around awkwardly at the beginning of someone's wedding, the best day of their life. And they're looking at him like, what? It was just, it it just was awkward and uncomfortable. And it set the wrong tone, in my opinion.
1: Right. If it was supposed to be funny, it surely wasn't.
0: Yeah. Anyway, but fortunately, we didn't stay there. And nor did we go back to that at all for the rest of the episode. So I really appreciated that. So then we get to see this episode. From the perspective of Captain Pike. And we get to meet Captain Kirk for the first time, who shows up because he's the captain of the Farragut.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: What what did you think of the Captain Kirk?
1: Well, you already know that I wasn't a fan of seeing Captain Kirk anyway. I didn't want him to take away from Pike and his stuff. But I don't know what they were trying to accomplish with this actor. When I first heard they were hiring this actor, I thought they were trying to give it a Chris Pine sort of look. Yeah, yeah. He had no relation to either Kirk's, I didn't think.
0: Yeah, he was unrecognizable as Kirk from a sort of vocal... Body language, intonation, none of that. We didn't get any kind of Kirk feel from him. But you know what? Okay, fine. It's a parallel universe. Maybe he's changed. Maybe he's different. I don't know. I was okay with that because in a way, I think it accomplished what you hoped it would. By not having him seem so Kirk-like from either the series or the movies, he didn't eclipse Pike. Right. So I think it worked.
1: Yeah, it definitely did. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. We're going to pause right here for a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey,
0: Doug Gramley here from Yeah, That Can't Be Good. Doug here from the 13th Warehouse. If you are a fan of Eureka, please join Kim, Vicky, Skip, and myself over at Yeah, That Can't Be Good for an episode-by-episode podcast of all things Eureka at EurekaRewatch.com. If you're a fan of Warehouse 13, please join Kim and Vicky over at the 13th Warehouse at the13thWarehouse.com. You can also listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us on Twitter
1: at Eureka Warehouse. And we're back.
0: I thought it was absolutely fascinating to see this episode from that perspective. And this episode from the perspective of someone who was working so hard to maintain the peace, as opposed to the original series episode of Balance of Terror, where Kirk was actually angry. Right. And he was like, we're going to go, we're going to go again. And much more reactive, you know, the cowboy diplomacy that Spock always called it
1: Mm -hmm.
0: was what Kirk's strongest point was. That's why I was kind of thinking about, you know, that this episode should have been called the balance of error because Pike's error was in not reacting. Yeah. His error was in trying to look for a peaceful solution, which seems like it should have been the right way. Exactly. But as we learn, in this particular circumstance, it wasn't.
1: It wasn't, no.
0: So I thought it was fascinating the way, you know, the dialogue for the Romulan captain was almost exactly the same, and a lot of the dialogue was very similar, which I, I thought, again, I kind of appreciated it, because if there's a, a, an episode... I think it's first or second season next generation. I know you're not a big fan. It's the one where they have to go play war games with each other and they put Riker on another ship.
1: Oh yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Anyway, there's a scene where Data and Troy are talking about what Riker's going to do. And Troy says it you know, sort of sort of sort of conclude the conversation, he's going to have he is going to always be the man who he is. And I saw that reflected in this episode. Pike Mm -hmm. is always going to be the man he is. And that Romulan captain was always going to be the man he was. And Kirk was always going to be the man he was. Yeah. And that's just, there are different roles that played out differently. And that was fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. So they have the same sort of... steps that took place in balance of terror take place in this episode they're chasing after the romulan ship that's cloaked it's two ships instead of one this time the enterprise and the farragut and they think they've got the romulans trapped because they're going to go through a comet tail which is exactly what happened in balance of terror but instead they did not they turned around and you know they figured out what was going on and they attacked the farragut and the farragut's destroyed and they have to rescue the farragut's crew so now kirk is on board with Pike, and they're having conversations and talking to each other about what to do next. Pike gets a hold of the Romulan commander and offers a two-hour ceasefire to enable them to repair their ships rescue their people take care of their people etc etc and maybe talk about peace and come to a peaceful resolution which leads to a conflict aboard the romulan vessel which happened in balance of terror too there was a conflict there too with the first officer and the captain about what should be done and one's a little bit more warlike and one's less warlike one's much more seasoned with war and it's like i'm tired of war right and in that case I don't actually remember what, if anything, the first officer of the Romulan ship did that was in defiance of this captain. But in this case, he actually notified the Romulan fleet that they had the Federation ship at bay.
1: I just skimmed through Balance of Terror this morning, but I I didn't watch the whole thing. And I don't think he did anything in defiance of the captain, but he just kept on him until he relented, I think.
0: Yeah, So this time we've got the entire, like, Romulan fleet shows up nose-to-nose at the border of the neutral zone. And while they were, like, doing their two-hour thing, Kirk said he was going to go do something. He didn't say what, but he asked to borrow a shuttlecraft. And he comes back with a whole bunch of mining drones, which look like ships. And there, he's essentially bluffing, which is one of the things that Kirk was always so great at. It's like uh, Sun Tzu's statement, you know, act like you're strong when you're weak and act like you're weak when you're strong. And so he was like, we're weak, but we're gonna look strong. And he's got all these mining drones pretending like they're part of their fleet. It was kind of cool looking. I thought it was kind of clever and cool looking, but what happens instead, and this is the other thing that I thought was really fascinating, in *The Balance of Terror*, the Enterprise disables the Romulan ship and is essentially going to capture them, and that will be is terrible failure on their part. So they destroy their own ship. Right. In this case, when Pike's like, "Hey, you know, we're trying to talk about peace here, and we know that you guys attacked the outpost and the Praetor." lady is like how do you know this we have video here let me show you and she he showed her the video and she was like oh well (laughs) you're the weakest link (laughs) and blows up the Romulan ship with the captain who agreed to the ceasefire so you know this guy was apparently destined to die all the time which is also a great sort of mirror to Pike's destiny right and so then I think They started fighting, and Kirk moved the drones in front of the Enterprise so the Enterprise could get away. And he gets the shuttlecraft landed, and they warp away. But now they're at war with the Romulans. Yep. And so, like, bad, bad, horrible, bad. But worse is that while they were in battle, you know, when they were being fired at by the Romulan fleet spock was trying to repair their weapons and was injured the suggestion was that he was going to die from his injuries
1: well the suggestion was if he made it he was going to be pike
0: oh yes of course why didn't i pick that up
1: can't remember her exact words but if he he... won't
0: be the same as what she said yeah
1: but i mean looking at his injuries you're you're relating that to pike's injuries yeah and then later on we hear that he dies he takes his place every time
0: yes exactly so it's like this Outcome that Pike keeps trying and trying and trying to avoid this fate, and every time he does, Spock dies instead. Right, and that he can't die. This is what his old older self comes back after this, after they're in retreat and the war has been declared, and Spock is like dead or just about. Um, the older Pike comes back and says, "Yep, this is this is how it goes. This is it's always awful."
1: Right, and in this one, the bride died. Yes, whereas instead in, of the husband, yeah, yeah. yeah
0: and so then this i agree then pike sort of reconciles himself to the fact that okay my death has purpose it's not just to save the lives of these cadets but it's also to save so much more which is kind of uh, you know he's kind of not everybody gets that kind of knowledge
1: true true
0: and so that's kind of like a gift in a way to know that even your your life has value but then also your death has value too so and that's pretty much it. He goes back to present day and Spock comes in to see the captain. And it's immediately after he just left after meeting Mott, the boy. And Spot comes in and, and Pike's like, I'm so happy to see you. And Spock's like, yeah, you really are, aren't you? <laughs> and Spock kind of figures out, he deduces that right. uh, there was something about the future involved when Pike saw Mott and that his happiness to see Spock meant something and that Spock sort of deduces that Pike saves his life. Pike saves his existence and so he expresses his gratitude which I thought also laid the groundwork for what happens in the menagerie. Yes. Because one of the things that was of interest in the menagerie was Spock's, you know, single-minded dedication to Captain Pike mm-hmm. and how he was going to break federation law by going back to talos 4 to take captain pike there i mean under penalty of death right so that i think lays that groundwork very nicely right there and then i agree with you then we can just go ahead and say okay this storyline we don't have to have this hanging over everything now we can go on and have some more adventures in the time that's left
1: yeah you know when you're trying to watch it you're always thinking that you know you're always thinking is he going to try and get out of it they bring it up so much you know, Una keeps telling him that they could do something. And I think I'll enjoy it better, not thinking about it, yeah. and even almost forgetting about it, because I can see that happening. If we don't hear about it, we could almost forget about it.
0: Which is okay.
1: Until it happens. And I think I'll enjoy it better, just forgetting yeah. about it.
0: Yeah. So the episode ends on a cliffhanger, with Una being arrested for being an Illyrian, being genetically modified.
1: Right. So this happens in both timelines.
0: But this time, you know, Pike's going to fight it. And it's going to be going to be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. I was kind of excited by that. Did you happen to? Of course you did. Notice the engineering, the yes. engineer yes. talking to Spock, who said he's not a miracle worker.
1: Yes. And, <laughs> and I know that you mentioned that. I think maybe you mentioned it offline. I don't think you mentioned it during the time we were recording. And I don't want them to bring back all of the original series, Cash. Yeah. I don't. I like the ones that we have that we knew were coming and people like Sam Kirk because he was just a one-episode character. I don't mind them bringing them back, but I don't want to see all the original series characters. I don't.
0: Yeah, we don't need to see all of them. No, Because there has to be hundreds and hundreds of crew people in Starfleet that we can meet and learn about. Right,
1: right. You know, either brand new characters or maybe one-off characters from the original series. I don't mind that so much.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Some one-off characters from the original series would be really cool
1: right I don't know what that was supposed to be <laughs> if that means he's coming or if that means it was just uh, okay we have a new engineer we'll never see him
0: uh, actually but if you think about it though he was the engineer at the time of Balance of Terror so that was accurate yeah so that worked True. for whatever it was worth yeah so and that's a that's pretty much the story did I miss anything or anything else we should touch, touch base on no
1: I don't think you missed anything
0: I-, I thought it was interesting the last song that they played, which was an actual a country song where somebody was, you know, singing about making memories, and I thought that was kind of nice. That's where he is now. He's just gonna make the best of it. Right. So I thought that was kind of nice. So on a scale of 1 to 10, what would you give this episode?
1: I liked it, but I'm only giving it an 8, which is still good, because like I said, I didn't like the changes in the characters with no explanation. I didn't like yeah. how they duplicated the whole, almost the whole episode but they changed the characters only to fit the original series characters and not for any reason that they've told us
0: well i'm going to give it an eight as well
1: we haven't done the same
0: i know i know you should probably write it down i know And then we, uh, we're we essentially done for a while until we have some new episodes to watch. Now, I'm going to go ahead and throw this out here and you can go ahead and delete this if you don't want to do this. So just for our listeners, Vicki and I talked about maybe doing Picard, but neither one of us is really crazy about this, this series. So we've decided we're not going to do any podcasts about Picard. Doesn't mean it's not a good series. A lot of people like it and awesome, but it's just not something that we're interested in podcasting about.
1: No, I mean, I've watched the whole thing, but it was a struggle. And I'll probably continue to watch it, but I don't want to have to watch it again for a
0: podcast. Yeah. And I stopped, I don't even think halfway through the first season because it just was not the kind of entertainment that I'm looking for. Uh, but we might come back. Uh, we're going to take it easy a little bit for the summertime here. But we have been talking about possibly doing a review of a variety of different episodes, including the episode where. Um, Pike gets the Time Stone on Borat and maybe some uh, next gen, excuse me, uh, original series episodes that are connected to what we've seen so far in this first season of Strange New Worlds, but we'll uh, we'll keep you guys posted.
1: Right, sporadically.
0: Random and sporadic. Right. Keep you on your toes.
1: Hi, Editing Vicki here. We were discussing what we wanted to do with the podcast during the off time and there is one thing we do want to do for sure And we'll probably do other things too, but for sure we want to create a Pike timeline in episodes. So we'll begin with the original series, original pilot, The Cage. Then we'll move to Discovery Season 2, Episode 8, If Memory Serves, which establishes that the events in The Cage have already happened by the time Pike gets to the Discovery. Then we'll move on to cover Discovery Season 2, Episode 12, Through the Valley of Shadows, where Pike learns of his fate via the time crystal and we'll probably even rerun this episode we're in this week right afterwards as this is where Pike accepts his fate and lastly of course the menagerie the end of Pike's story so keep an eye out for new episodes as we said it's going to be random and sporadic but we will definitely be doing these four or five episodes in a row and then hopefully move on to other things if we have time
0: We uh, look forward to the next time we talk about Star Trek. And until then, have a good summer and we'll see you soon. Okay. See you soon. Bye-bye. Oh, bye. You can continue exploring the universe with Moms Going Boldly by following us on Facebook at facebook.com momsgoingboldly and on Twitter at momsgoingboldly. The music used on Moms Going Boldly is Without Limits by Ross Bugden Music. On Twitter, at Ross Bugden. Licensed under a Creative Commons attribution license, creativecommons.org.
1: You can listen to Moms Going Boldly on Podbean, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Player FM. And we're now also available on Apple Podcasts.
0: for complete.